Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Well, good morning. Happy Lord's Day, everybody. Welcome to our live time together for prayer and scripture reflection. I'm pro-life leader Frank Pavone, National Director of Priests for Life. We are and remain uh, one of the largest pro-life organizations in the world. Uh, We are so joyful to work with you in proclaiming the gospel of life, protecting our unborn brothers and sisters, building on the great victory we have in the pro-life movement already with the reversal of Roe v. Wade and fighting intense battles like the one in Ohio and elsewhere uh, where the other side wants to keep imposing this this genocide, this holocaust on our land. So it's great to be with you. We're going to talk about the need to warn people who are going down a path to sin. Uh, And the Word of God gives us every reason and authority to do that. I want to share with you the Old Testament, New Testament, and Gospel reading uh, that is proclaimed around the world today. So let's put ourselves in the presence of the Lord. As always, I can see your comments and you can uh, put your prayer intentions there in the comments so that we all know how to pray for each other specifically at this point in time. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for this day. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We rejoice, Lord God. Father, by the power of your Spirit, you have raised Jesus Christ from the dead. This is the day of resurrection, the day of glory, the day of the triumph of life over death, of grace over sin, of truth over falsehood, and that triumph is shared by us. We, as people baptized into the death and resurrection of Christ, unite with one another in this church, in this church, Lord God, this body of Christ, where we are filled with the Spirit, transformed into the likeness of Christ, and committed to live the new way of life. We thank you, Lord. We ask you now, open our minds to hear your word. Let it be a word that leads us to confident repentance. Repentance that is born of sorrow for our past sins, but that is also infused with the confidence that comes from knowing your mercy. Fill us with that deep repentance. And let us understand your word, Lord, and give us the strength to live it as it speaks to us today about our duty to admonish the sinner a spiritual work of mercy. Lord, sometimes we don't know whether to do that or how to do that or how hard to push for that or how many times to go back and try again. Give us some guidance on that today and enable us to be confident in the power of your word when we speak it to others. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Okay. Let's start with this reading from the book of the prophet Ezekiel. Thus says the Lord, You son of man, I have appointed watchmen for the house of Israel. When you hear me say anything, you shall warn them for me. If I tell the wicked, O wicked one, you shall surely die, and you do not speak out to dissuade the wicked from his way, the wicked shall die for his guilt, but I will hold you responsible for his death. But if you warn the wicked, trying to turn him from his way, and he refuses to turn from his way, he shall die for his guilt, but you shall save yourself. 
The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The responsorial psalm, actually a, 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 a beautiful melody to this is coming to my mind. You, you, you don't mind singing together, right? I love to chant uh, the psalms. One of the nicest renditions of If Today You Hear His Voice, Harden Not Your Hearts, is, is this. And let's, let's just pray this psalm together in song. If today you hear His voice, harden not your hearts. If today you hear His voice, harden not your hearts. Come, let us sing joyfully to the Lord. Let us acclaim the rock of our salvation. Let us come into His presence with thanksgiving. Let us joyfully sing psalms to Him. If today you hear His voice, harden not your hearts. Come, let us bow down in worship. Come, let us kneel before the Lord who made us. For He is our God. And we are the people he shepherds, the flock he guides. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Oh, that today you would hear his voice, harden not your hearts as at Meribah, as in the day of Maasai in the desert, where your fathers tempted me. They tested me, though they had seen my works. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. The second reading today is from the letter of Paul to the Romans. Brothers and sisters, owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not kill, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other commandment there may be, are summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no evil to the neighbor. Hence, love is the fulfillment of the law. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And the gospel passage of today comes from St. Matthew. In chapter 18 we read, Jesus said to His disciples, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. If he does not listen, Take one or two others along with you, so that every fact may be established on the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell the church. If he refuses to listen even to the church, then treat him as you would a Gentile or a tax collector. Amen, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, amen, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything for which they are to pray, it shall be granted them by my heavenly Father. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I 
in the midst of them. Well, we thank the Lord for His Word here. And it gives us a task about which, if we're practicing our faith, we are all well aware, but often confused about how to implement. And we're challenged on this perhaps more than on anything else by the ungodly culture when they tell us, who are you to judge? Or who are you to impose your morality on me? Or who are you to tell me what to do? Live your own life. And they go even further than live your own life. It's like, have your own truth. It's like everybody writes their own set of commandments. That's part of the woke culture. It's like, uh, well, although there's no tolerance, of course, for our commandments, but the idea is that we can't tell them anything that they're responsible for doing. These admonitions, these instructions, I have set you as a watchman, warn the wicked about their wicked ways. Or Jesus saying very clearly here, point out your brother's fault, presuppose something very basic. That there is a truth beyond us, that there is a morality independent of us, independent of our preferences, our thinking, our conclusions, our uh, uh, ideas and opinions. No, it's a truth that God has spoken to the world. Now, He speaks it in many different ways. This is one of them, but we just experienced His Word being proclaimed. But He speaks it in the depths of our hearts according to natural conscience. We have a, some basic instincts that help us to discern on, on fundamental matters the difference between right and wrong. Right? He has written His law in our hearts. He's written His law into creation. Even those who are complete relativists, really have a hard time maintaining their relativism. You know, a, a story I've told for many, many years that has gotten some attention in these circles is, uh, I said, you know, if somebody says to you, well, you know, your morality is yours, mine is mine, uh, don't impose your morality on me. Uh, and, and I said, you know, here's an easy way to prove to them that that doesn't work. Um, say, say to them something like this. Let's say it's a woman talking to you and she's got her purse there. I say, well, can you please give me your purse? And you take her purse and you start taking things out of it and, and putting them in your own pocket. How are they going to react to that? Oh, what are you doing? What are you doing? Well, don't impose your morality on me. You think it's wrong for me to take the things that are in your purse? I don't. So where do we go from there? Just a power play, right? If you can wrestle the things back from me, then you've got them. Otherwise, well, we disagree. I believe it's okay to take this money that's in there. Society can't work on, on relativism. It can't. Somebody thinks it's okay. Look, what this, look what's happening in these Democrat-run cities. They are giving into this relativism to such an extent that these, 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 these looters and thieves and uh, crackpots are going into these stores, just doing what they want, taking what they want, and nobody's stopping them. Except sometimes heroic people will stop them. Are we imposing our morality on other people or not? Are there certain moral norms we have to accept or not? Can't be both ways. Now, these admonitions, therefore, are based on the truth that there is a law of God, 
that he has communicated it to us in a way that we can understand presupposes a couple of other things. That we should and are able to discern right from wrong in people's actions. Not in the depths of their souls, and, and we can't read somebody's mind, we can't read somebody's heart, but we can perceive their external words and actions. And that's where not only is it permissible to judge, God commands that we judge. When Jesus says, do not judge, what he's saying is there is only one who is the master, himself, Christ the Lord, who will judge us at the end of time. That has to do with a person's individual standing with God. We can see certain things on the outside. We can't see what's on the inside. But the problem is it's not just what's on the inside that matters. What's on the outside matters too because it gives bad example to other people or good example if they're practicing virtue. And it can actually destroy other people, starting with, as Paul says in the uh, second reading, the killing of one's neighbor, abortion being the primary example. And as one of you was pointing out, Mexico Supreme Court just made a very big error the other day, legalizing abortion there. And I know uh, you know him as well. I know him personally for many, many years, Eduardo Verastegui, who has declared now that he's running for the presidency of Mexico. And uh, we wish him the best in that because he would be an extraordinary uh, president. And uh, the um, point here is that when, you when it comes to things like permitting abortion, well, I, you don't have to go very far to judge that that's not a good thing because people are losing their lives. Children are, 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 are being dismembered. So the, the, the admonition to the command, I should say, to warn the sinner is based on the fact that there is this law, it has been communicated to us, we can understand it, and then one other thing, that we can make a judgment, right versus wrong actions, and then we can communicate that to others. Then we can communicate that to others. And brothers and sisters, that's where um, the readings are very clear in telling us we need to do this, and also in the in the, in the uh, uh, spiritual tradition of the church, we have the spiritual and corporal works of mercy, right, as they're called. Okay, works of mercy, feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, clothe the naked, visit the, the sick and the imprisoned, coming from Matthew 25, right? And, uh, but there's spiritual works of mercy too, instruct uh, the ignorant when you pass on the knowledge of the faith. That's a work of mercy. That's a beautiful, spiritual, positive thing that you do. And one of those spiritual works of mercy, again, been acknowledged for, for centuries, is admonish the sinner. Someone's doing something wrong. Why would we want to admonish? Why is it any of our business? Not because we want to control people's lives, not because we want to take away their freedom, but because we care about them. It's what Paul is saying in the second reading. The second reading illuminates the purpose of the admonitions in the first reading in the gospel. You love them. Now, love does no harm to the neighbor. It doesn't only mean that you're going to, not going to introduce harm. It's going to mean that if you see them doing things that are going to harm themselves, you speak up. You try to dissuade them. You try to dissuade them. You know, built into the reading here from Ezekiel is the fact that ultimately that person is free. They may or they may not listen to you, right? But in fact, the gospel 
implies that as well, very clearly. It's an if-then. The prophet Ezekiel is saying either you warn them and they do repent, or you warn them and they don't repent, but at least you've saved yourself. You carried out your duty. The warnings come in multiple ways. Some of us are commissioned in different ways by the authority pertaining to our vocation. So parents, by your very vocation, you have the duty to admonish your children and instruct them in the ways of the Lord. Clergy, by your very vocation, you have the duty to teach and preach the fullness of the Word of God, the fullness of the law of God, without editing it, without diluting it, without using confusing terms like synodality. Oh, we're going to be hearing a lot about this in the coming weeks. Just listen, it's just a question. How many people sitting in the, in the, in the uh, pews today, as we speak right now, this morning, across the Catholic churches, across America, and around the world, I ask you, tell me a percentage, what you think it is. Ask, oh, what, is what does synodality mean? And compare their confidence in answering that question as opposed to saying, um, what is communion? What is confession? What is the Bible? What is the Pope? What is, you know, words that have a well-known, well-established meaning in the whole Christian community for not only centuries but millennia versus words like uh, oh, uh, synodality. Oh, there's going to be a big gathering in Rome in a few weeks. Oh, the synod on synodality. Tell me what that means. Tell me what it means. People are going to church, they're practicing their faith, they're growing up Catholic. Oh, you should have some idea what it means, right? We have got to stop trying to teach the faith by means of obscurity. That's not how you guide people in the right path, whether it's your children, the people in your, in your, in your congregation, the students in your classroom. You don't teach people through obscurity. There's only one reason you do that. When you want to change the message. That's when you want to introduce something new. Bad confusion is going to happen the next, the next couple of months in the Catholic Church. Bad stuff. Just stop being confusing. This is a simple plea to those who teach and preach the faith. This is a simple plea. Please stop confusing people. Okay. Life is the fundamental warning here. You know, Ezekiel talks about the sinner shall die because of, of his guilt. Others may also die because of his guilt if the guilt is involved with things like abortion. Now, when it's a positive command, now what I mean by a positive command, something that the commandment tells you to do, it's a little bit different than when it's a negative command, something that a commandment prohibits you from doing. Now let me try to um, explain this clearly. When the commandments say, thou shalt not kill, okay, in other words, murder the innocent, there's no exception to that. There's never a time when you are not under the command not to kill the innocent. There's never a, a, you know, a period of time or a circumstance that then gives you permission 
to violate that command. It applies everywhere to every person at every moment. When a command is telling you to do something, like today, point out the wicked person's ways, admonish the sinner, it does not apply every moment in every circumstance. It doesn't mean that you're supposed to be at everything you say in every possible circumstance is admonishing people about their sins. That would not be practical. That wouldn't be, you know, exactly, uh, 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 well, it, it just it's, it's, it doesn't work. It's not supposed to be that you're doing it at every moment. Oh, similarly, uh, look, the commandment, do not steal versus give to the poor. Okay, so there's the, the prohibition and there's the positive exhortation. They apply differently. To say do not steal, that applies at every moment in every circumstance. To say give to the poor, well, every single moment of every single day? Of course not. Of course not. Even like rescuing babies from abortion facilities. I've prayed in, in front of almost every abortion facility in America. And you go pray in front of these places, you save lives. You do. And you see people turn around and so forth. But does that mean that the commandment requires us to be out there every single day? That's not practical. Because we have other duties, uh, all of us do, that would prevent us from going every single day. And even if you went every single day and said, oh, well, no, 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 it says I have to do this. So I'm going to do it today. I'm going to do it tomorrow. Okay, great. Uh, what about during the night? You did it during the day. How about during the night? Oh, but I have to sleep. Well, you see, there you go. There's a limit. There's always a limit. So don't think, you know, because people wonder, like, how far should I go? Should I tell everybody everything that I think they're doing that's wrong? No, it doesn't mean that. You will be in circumstances where it will be clear that here's my opportunity. And a lot of it depends, doesn't it, on the relationship you have with the person. Sometimes the relationship is a built-in uh, duty to, to warn people. Again, like I say, parents to their children, clergy to their congregation, teachers to their uh, students. If you have a good friendship with somebody, obviously the quality of the trust and of the communication between you and your friend mean that there are going to be more moments when it is both appropriate and necessary for you to bring up to them something they're doing wrong. That, and you have a higher probability of success as well. The difference between admonishing a friend, say, hey, I really don't think that's a good decision that you're making or that you just made. The probability of success in getting them to turn away from their, their sin is much higher in that situation than if you just approach a stranger in the middle of the street. Right? They're likely to say, oh, don't bother me, or just walk away. So, brothers and sisters, let's bring this back again to, well, well, first of all, part of the thing here, too, is that admonition in Matthew says start doing it one-on-one -on -one privately. This is so important because Jesus says, your brother sins against you. Okay, go tell him his fault between you and him alone. So many people don't observe that. They say, okay, that might not work. Okay, you can bring a couple of others along with you, then tell the church. In other words, go through the uh, structures of, 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 the, of the church. But there's one thing that's not in here, and that's um, the media. 
The media don't, I don't see the reference in here to going to the media. Now, those of us in public life, like myself, <laughs> you, you got to expect, of course, that you know, you're going to be in the media in one way or another, sometimes positive, sometimes negative. But I got to laugh you know, when people try to cloak in some kind of virtuous uh, um, justification sins of slander and calumny where they, uh, they say bad things about people. And, uh, and then they claim, oh, no, I'm warning that person about his sin. Yeah, like garbage you are. Let's say some other words. You're going to the media. Why are you going to the media? People go to the media to say bad things about people because they're being vengeful or because they, they want to destroy the reputation of that person. It has nothing to do with the Word of God. It has nothing to do with virtue. It has nothing to do with scripture and admonition. Oh, look how good I am. I'm trying to stop evil like hell. They go to the media. Going to the person directly that has offended you shows a respect to that person, shows that you believe in their willingness to listen. It shows a high regard. And that's, what it's, that's the command of this gospel passage, not doing what some people do. And uh, God, it's, just, it's just shameful what some people do. The fruits, I'm going to read something here from the uh, Catholic Catechism to, to, to round out these reflections. The fruits of charity are joy, peace, and mercy. When you love somebody, right? Joy, peace, mercy. Charity demands beneficence and fraternal correction. Notice the Catechism says it's part of loving somebody that you correct them and let them know that it's out of love. Let them know. Okay, there's another passage here in the Catechism. The works of mercy are charitable actions by which we come to the aid of our neighbor. We come to the aid of our neighbor in his spiritual and bodily necessities. Like I told you before, there are the corporal works of mercy, there's the spiritual works of mercy. And then it starts saying something about the spiritual ones. Instructing, advising, consoling, and comforting are spiritual works of mercy, as are forgiving and bearing wrongs patiently. Instructing and advising, don't be afraid of that. Doesn't mean you're saying you're better. And that's the other thing we want to convey. Not only that we're doing it out of love, but hey, listen, you start by, by, by recognizing, hey, I'm a sinner. Paul says in his letters, he's the worst of sinners. But he's not afraid to admonish, is he? The other side will try to throw this back at us. Who are you to tell me, you know, you're saying you're perfect, you're full of sin too. Yeah, we are full of sin. But we're not admonishing because we're perfect. Here's why we're admonishing. Because you, the person I'm admonishing, and I, are under the same God and under the same law of God that has been spoken to everyone, that is accessible to everyone, that is clear to everyone, and on which everyone is going to be judged. And that's why we can admonish one another. We're all in the same boat. I admonish you about something. I'm not saying I'm not responsible 
for keeping the same admonition. I'm not even saying I haven't broken that very same admonition. Don't feel like your sins have to hold you back from helping another person avoid sin. It's your love for that other person. In fact, if you sin, you know, you know better than anybody that you don't want to go down that road. That's like the people in our Silent in the War campaign who've had abortions. They're the best ones to tell other people not to have abortions. The other side tries to throw it back as a hypocrisy. How can you tell other people have not to have abortions when you had an abortion? It's precisely because I had an abortion, they'll say, that I know full well the grief and the pain that I want that person to avoid. That's how it works. Admonishing the sinner doesn't flow from arrogance. It flows from compassion. Admonishing others for their sins doesn't flow from pride. It flows from humility. It doesn't come from looking down at people. It comes from looking up at God and recognizing that what He has decreed applies to us all and unites us in a solidarity that enables us to care for one another enough to, to say, hey, hey, let me, let, me, let, me, let me warn you about this. You shouldn't be doing this. This is a hard thing to do. There's no question about it. You don't want to ruin relationships that are good in your life, that are themselves gifts from God. Ask the Holy Spirit day by day for the specific guidance. In a situation, you're not sure if you should speak up. Part of the analysis there, of course, is, is this person I'm going to have opportunities to speak up to in the future? If you're not sure, you might want to wait, consult. Sometimes we have to consult other people who also know the people that we want to admonish. And if you know you're going to continue to have opportunities, uh, you know, you can always say something that you were going to say before but didn't. Once you do say something, obviously you can't undo, you can't unsay it although you can always correct things later. But it might do damage in the meantime. So we need the wisdom of the Holy Spirit in all of this. Let's turn back to Him now and ask exactly for that. So Holy Spirit, we thank You for the words through Ezekiel and the words from Jesus and Paul here about how love, the words from the Catechism too, how love includes instructing and admonishing. Lord, let us not shy away from this. And we want to pray in a particular way for counselors in pregnancy centers who are guiding people away from abortion. We want to pray for preachers who might be tempted to run away from controversial issues. No, Lord God, let them dive into them instead. We want to pray, Lord God, for those who feel guilt today for so many times that they should have spoken up but didn't. Oh, is that a healthy form of guilt? Let's have more people, Lord God, feeling that because we need more people speaking up. Bless us now as we bring to you all our needs, all the, all the intentions that have been expressed in the comments. Lord, provide your people with all that they need. We intercede for our, our brothers and sisters. We intercede for our families. We intercede for our leaders. Bless everyone who's running in this, uh, these elections that are coming up. Bless President Trump and his family and advisors. Lord God, open the eyes of people to how much good he has done and how much he loves this country. 
And bless each of us as we move forward in your service. And we pray now in the words Jesus gave us, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray to our Heavenly Mother. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right, friends, thanks very much. Stay connected with us this week. Many, many broadcasts uh, in the making. And we'll look forward to talking with you, as always. Main website, endabortion.us. Bring other people there and bring them to these broadcasts. God bless you all. Pro-Life Leader Frank Pavone here with Priests for Life. Greetings from all our team. And have a blessed Lord's Day today. Hello, this is Father David Begany. Like many priests, I am inspired and always learning from the Ministry of Priests for Life, which is one of the largest and most visible pro-life organizations in the world. This ministry relies on your financial support to be able to do its work, produce its programs, and travel the world to advocate for the unborn. May I ask you to support Priests for Life generously? Go today to prolifegift.org and give as generous a gift as you can. Thank you so much, and be assured of our daily prayers for you. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.